0: Man, may we follow the one who reveals himself to us. He has a miracle for us, a revealing of himself to let us see who he is. Amen, amen. Well, it's great to be here with you, great to be celebrating with you both online and here in person. Man, we are rallied together, and our job is to make much of Jesus Christ. Man, he's got to be lifted up with all we've got. That's what it's all about. Him getting our attention. Him getting our worship. No distraction. Christ getting all the glory, right? And all of God's people said. Man, man, it's a huge deal. So we're in a series called Follow Him. Follow Him. We launched this Easter Sunday. And our job is to learn what it is to walk with Jesus Christ, to follow after Jesus Christ. What does it mean? That I'm giving him my life. What does it mean that I'm following him? We're going to be walking through several different passages throughout this series, and our job is just to see what the disciples were learning, how Jesus made it clear to them, what Jesus had to say to them about how to follow him, right? And so if you remember back to Easter Sunday, we launched it looking at the character of Christ as the risen one, and that we need to follow the one who is risen from the dead. He is alive. We have hope in him. We have life in him. He is risen from the dead. May we worship him with all we've got. And just a huge Sunday of celebration that Jesus Christ is alive. And the next week we move to worshiping the one and following the one who is willing. He knew the cross that he was going to go to. He knew the pain that he was going to take on. He knew the sin That he was going to have to cover and he willingly went to that cross. May we follow him. And then last week we were talking through Jesus Christ as the kind one. As he unleashed his power, as he unleashed his care into this world. Right at the time that he walked with the disciples bringing amazing physical healing and teaching. As he works with us on a daily basis now today. As we grasp his kind hand working in our lives May we worship the God who does not set it down, but works with us constantly. The kind one, may we follow him. It's a huge privilege for us to run to the God who has our sin covered, who has our eternity managed. He is so worth worshiping. And so today we're jumping into uh, following the worthy one following the worthy one. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18. Luke 18, starting in verse 18, and we're just going to walk verse by verse and phrase by phrase through this section. It's a story and a narrative style, and we'll continue to walk through these narratives, seeing what Christ has to say to the disciples. Uh, Luke 18, starting in verse 18. First point, follow. Follow the one who is more valuable than any earthly possession. Follow the one who is more valuable than any earthly possession. You know, as we jump in here, Luke 18, we're starting to get towards the middle, towards the end, really, of Christ's walk here on earth and some of what he was doing with the disciples and the teaching. And he picks it up uh, in the book of Luke here recording. It says, and a ruler asked him, asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone." We'll just hold right there. It says and a ruler asked Jesus, and a ruler This word here probably implies that this guy either had some level of responsibility in the synagogue, some kind of ruler in the synagogue there, or maybe even bigger, maybe he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee. He was some sort of Jewish uh, influencer, a Jewish ruler, and he was bringing some statement. Now, we also know that this Jewish ruler was young. We see that in a couple of the other Gospels. They bring his age to bear as well. So he's young. He's holding pretty high position. He's got a lot of influence. In fact, the people would know him. And he decides to have a question for Jesus in public, in front of people. He's placing himself under him. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, probably this means he came from the teaching of the Pharisees, right? Because he's actually addressing eternal life. He believes there's something after this, and he's like, I'm not sure how it all works out, and how do I get saved? What does that mean? He definitely is believing in some sort of resurrection in life after, and so as he's going after it, he's like, hey, how does it come to bear? How does it work itself out? He starts out by saying to Jesus, good teacher. Now, just so you know, uh, the word good means something quite different back then than it did, than it does for us today, right? Right? When we say something's good, you know, you're like, hey, how was that meal last night? "Eh, It was good, right? We mean like medium. It's okay. It's not that great. If it were, I'd start to use bigger words. It was phenomenal. It was unbelievable. Eh, It was good, right? We use that word. It just sort of means neutral, middle, maybe a little above middle. It's not bad, but it's not great. That is not what this word means to the Jewish people. And when they talk about the word good, they mean like, holy, unbelievable, stunning. There is none other like you. That's what they mean. So when he says good teacher, he is like lifting him up massively in front of people. This is a guy in charge of many, whether in the synagogue or Pharisees or whatever, in charge of many. And he says out, you holy, righteous, amazing, good teacher. So whatever he said next was sort of the second-rate issue. The fact that he is calling Christ good is stunning in the midst. And, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, this is not Jesus denying that he's good good teacher Jesus is not saying no 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 hey I'm not good don't do that this questioning here is not him saying don't call me that this questioning here is him saying okay now think that through a little bit let that affect you so why do you call me good why do you call me holy righteous like none other that should be reserved for God alone so what is your reason for calling me good? Maybe here's another way Jesus is saying it. Am I? Am I good? So, so am I God? Like that's what's happening right now. As he's talking to this rich young ruler, he's saying, come on, man. Come across. You can see it. You've got it. You're starting to get there. So what does that mean? Grab it with all you've got. So does this mean that I'm God? Only God should be called good. And uh, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, right? And uh, so Jesus now is starting to address the second part of the guy's statement. The guy's like, how do I get this eternal life? How does this work out, this eternal life? And how do I go after it? And he's like, look, you know the commandments. He's talking about for sure the Ten Commandments and even then some. So he's talking about some of these commandments. He begins to walk through them. He says, you know, like, don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. There's some things that are in common with all of these commands that Jesus listed here. These are in the Ten Commandments. That's first. These are the Ten Commandments, some of them. But more than that, these are the horizontal ones. These are the Ten Commandments that have to do with how you interact with other people. Right? Remember when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So here he's listing all the second level The love your neighbor as yourself commands. That's what all of these commands are. It's the one another commands. And uh, he's left off the table the love the Lord your God commands. Hang on, he'll get to that, right? And so he brings up these one another ten commandments, like don't commit adultery. Don't uh, sleep with someone outside of your marriage. Make sure that you are married and you are sleeping with that person, right? Uh, Don't commit murder. Like don't take a life where there isn't some reason or risk or whatever you're covering. Be careful. Don't just walk up and take a life. This word murder, a very specific word, to mean it's not defense of self, but very specifically just an aggression and anger, and you take it out on them. Do not murder. Do not steal. Don't take what belongs to someone else. Don't bear false witness. Don't start lying about somebody else. Don't start tearing them down with your words and honor your father and mother. Now, if we were to go through these, you might be like, I feel like I'm actually okay on these, you know, like don't commit adultery. You might be like, yeah, I'm married and I I haven't done that. And and don't murder. I mean, I've wanted to, but I haven't. Like, let's be fair, there's times where I've been ticked and I've held it together, I'm cool on that. I have not murdered anybody, all right, check, right? And uh, okay, uh, do not steal. I can say I have not taken anything. Right, You can see this guy walking through it, and he's processing. And as Jesus is listing, how do you get eternal life? Well, don't commit adultery. Check. Do not murder. Check. Do not steal. Check. Do not bear false witness. Check. I'm good on that. Honor your father and mother. Starting at what age? Right? I think... I I think I did pretty good with that. And it actually says, he kind of gives an answer here. He said, I have kept all these from my youth. He kind of gives you a little bit of his inkling. He's like, when I was in a little bit of an older stage, but I was, I honored my father and mother too. When I was grasping what was going on, I honored them. Check. I'm good with all the one another commands. That's what the guy is saying. Like I, I have it together in these areas. And uh, let's just say this. This guy is a young, rich ruler. He's in charge and he's young. Bottom line is there's no way you get to that level by being a punk. There's no way you get to that level by having sins in these really uh, obvious public ways. Like he's back talking his parents all over the place. He's lying about things. He's, uh, there's rumor that he killed somebody. That guy's not rising up into the ranks in the synagogue, or the Pharisees, or whatever. That's not happening. And so this guy does have a lot of his life that's on show being managed. He's got what he's delivering publicly in front of people managed well. And so Jesus says, you want to know how to have eternal life? Well, for sure you have to have these down. And the guy's like, got it. And uh, Jesus is beginning a list that says, look, man, if you want to Have eternal life on your own, you're going to have to be absolutely perfect. And he starts down a list. He knows the list that this man is going to say, check to first. And as he walks through it, this guy's like, got all that. And you can imagine the smile on this guy's face as he says, Good teacher, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do for eternal life? He's laying himself out there in front of people. People start looking like, Whoa. This guy just put him under. Jesus says, well, you got to do this and not this and not this and not this and this. And, and he's like, yeah. Well, I've done all those since youth. He's waiting for the proclamation. Then you have eternal life. And uh, he said, well, I've done all these from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said, one thing you still lack. That you can imagine that moment. as the guy's like, all right, well, that's great. Like, I've been doing these since my youth. One thing you still lack. Oh, well, what is that? As he leans in for a little public humiliation and a call out. He says, Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. that. Okay. Now please hear me on this. We have to be really careful with this. Some will misread this and they'll say, so the way to get eternal life is you just give a lot. That would be missing what's being said here. Like it's about sacrifice. You're missing what's being said here. He's challenging him to give something up. Remember the Ten Commandments. He just went through all the one another commandments. The commandments he didn't go through. Love the Lord your God. Don't put any other God before him. Do not take his name in vain. Lift up your God and honor him first and foremost. He's like, listen, you have a God problem. Scripture's super clear. We cannot love both God and money. We cannot love both God and money. It does not say you cannot have money and love God, but you cannot love God and love money. As we start loving money, we start making it our idol. We start placing it before, we do not want to listen to God. We're not setting it down. We're not putting our heart before Him. We're not letting Him be in charge of our lives. And He's like, listen, you've got a problem with your worship. You don't have a problem with how you're acting with others. You seem to have politically managed your life well. You have a problem with your worship and it needs to be more on fire. He's like, why don't you just take everything you have and distribute it to the poor and then then you will have treasure in heaven. Notice the man asked for eternal life. Jesus calls it treasure in heaven. That's what he's talking about, is this life and life eternal with our God. And then Jesus says the power words, and, don't miss that word. It's a super important word. And, what's the important word? Say it louder, say it bigger. And, because he says, come, follow me. Look, it's not enough to be philanthropic. It's not enough to be giving money all over the place and caring for people. It's great to have a heart for people that's right back to one another's. It's not wrong to be kind and gracious and seeing a need and pouring into it. Do that. Have that heart. But that's not what saves What saves is Jesus Christ as king of your life. Come, follow me. Follow me. What saves? I believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. And I confess you're in charge of my life. I follow you. Take over. Saved. Jesus is like, you want eternal life? It comes right here to the one you just called good, follow me. Saved. Come. Set down your sin. Set down your selfishness. Set down whatever idol you've been placing between you and God and follow Jesus Christ. For this man, it was all about his riches. Each of us has a A set of idols that we may go after. And before we're saved, longing for that to be the thing in our life. And for this guy, it was his wealth. Jesus says, come and follow me. He's basically saying this. The disease you have is a love of money. And it's destroying you from the inside. It's your idol tearing you apart. So the prescription for that disease is get rid of it, dump it. Go after your God now with all you've got. The disease is a love of the money and a love of the wealth. The prescription, set it aside. Run after your God with all you've got. Please note that this is specific to this man and this man's situation and this man's thinking in life. His thing was placing money as an idol. This isn't where we're supposed to jump to scripture and say, how can I be saved? Give a lot. Not that. Everybody say, not that. Man, Romans 10, 9 and 10, super clear that if we're to be saved, we believe Jesus is risen from the dead. We confess him as Lord. Christ is here diagnosing why this man is not coming to Christ. He is diagnosing your worship is off. It's in the money. You need to start turning it to your God, and then you will find eternal life. Come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Don't miss those two adjectives. It doesn't say he was sad because he was rich. He was very sad because he was extremely rich. Now, we don't know how much the guy had, but it was a lot. It was a lot for Luke to be able to declare out as a doctor, that's a lot of money. Like this guy was well to do. This guy had it rolling all over the place. And at a very young age, the wealth pouring in and him doing things that were of sorts, good-natured and kind towards other people all over the place. But he was worshiping his money. Why is that disease a problem? Because our wealth can often become our self-reliance. Because our wealth can often become our self-protection. And all of a sudden, it's all about me. I've got this. And that's what this man had going on. No leaning on God, just leaning on himself. It's a terrible, terrible plan. This guy came up to Jesus Christ and he was saying, What has enough of value to gain me eternal life? And Christ said, Nothing you have. Set it all down and come follow me in faith. That's saved. And this is a huge power moment relationship you know we always wrestle with value in this world we wrestle with value we're always looking for reasons and meanings and values and things all over the place right I mean do you remember the show the antique road show do you remember that show I'm not getting many head nods you don't remember that show the antique road show okay it was a weird show Where people would literally be looking through their closets or their attic. They would find stuff and they're like, this looks like a piece of junk. Maybe I should go find out if it is. And so they would walk in and stand in these huge long lines to get up to the front and set it down in front of a guy for the guy to go, yeah, that's a piece of junk. That was basically the Antique Roadshow. And every once in a while, somebody would find an unbelievable value. And 99% of the time, not even close, right? And so you have these nasty pieces of like silverware, and you have these paintings that look horrible, and they're like, Is it worth anything? And the guy's like, No. And you're like, I could have told you it wasn't worth anything. Look at that painting, man, right? Like these things look horrible and value. Oftentimes, we don't even know what has value. This guy's coming before Christ and he's saying, What has value? how do I know? Where do I get it from? I just wrote these three things down. Where we find value. Ready? Three things where we find value. And honestly, all of us use all three of these. The question is, do we have them in the right order? Value. We find value in number one, what is self-benefiting? What is self-benefiting? We do. We find things to be valuable if it ends up bringing food when we need food, or warmth when we need warmth, or cool when we need cool, or protection when we need protection. We find value in those things that benefit me. That's the lowest level living, right? Like if all your value system is, is, is it good for me? Like everybody kind of knows you by a word and it goes something like, what a jerk, Right? Like I'm just living for me, man. That's it. It's all about me. But that is a value system, and it's not a wrong one. We do want people to be taking care of themselves, right? Everybody say that's a good plan. It's a terrible plan. If that's the only thing you're doing, is taking care of yourself, right? But self-benefiting, okay? It's a good value. Number two, uh, is it right? Is it right? This should be a value that begins to enter our life and we should begin to be teach, taught this as we're like young and growing up. This guy used the word from my youth. When we start to grasp how things should be, it's when we start sacrificing self and leaning in to others. It's when we start doing things for others because really it's not just about me, right? It's what's right? It's when our work ethic starts rising up. It's when our listening well starts increasing. It's right. It may not be what I want, but it's right. right. That is a second value system, and it starts to take place in our lives over time. And then the third one and the top one is it's God-glorifying. It is God-glorifying. And man, when you take those three together, it does benefit self But it's right, it benefits others, it's caring, it's loving, it expresses the character of God, it's right. And then more than that, and it's God glorifying. Man, you will find that when people make bad decisions, or let me even turn this and say, you will find that when you make a decision you regret, you go back and look at these three values and you will see one or two of them have fallen off the list. Like, I didn't consider, is it God-glorifying? I wanted. Like, I didn't consider, is it right? I wanted. It would benefit me. Mine. Right? And that's when we collapse down. It is best that we always try to work those three together. And the more you're always thinking of number two and three, the more you're thinking what's right and what glorifies God how does he get shown off in this? The more you're celebrating there, the more you will see that your decisions become very humble, very other centered, and very God honoring. Man, may our values be built on those three. And may we become skilled at grabbing on to the second and third ones in our life. Christ is like, all right, you've grasped number one. You've grasped a lot of number two. But by holding on to the love of money, you cannot grasp number three. You're having a problem glorifying God because you're glorifying self and clinging to the cash. Man, it's time to set down the idol that so easily entangles. So a simple question. Man, do you bring in all three of those values? Or just two? Or maybe even just one? Are you running over the top of other people? Are you living your life in a way that's hurting another, but you don't care because it brings pleasure to self in the moment? Are you saying, forget God, I don't care, I just want to do for myself? And man, grab onto these values and say, Lord God, I'm ready for you to get the worship. I am coming and following you. I'm in. And that's huge. Follow the worthy one, Jesus Christ, the one to be glorified above all others. And all of God's people said, he says, follow the one who holds eternal life in his hand. Follow the one who holds eternal life in his hand. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He begins to talk to those around him. Now, other gospels actually say that not only did he become very sad, it says that he went away sad. He literally went, so what do I do? And Christ is like, well, you have these down? Yeah, I do, since I was this big, man, yeah. And well then, give up all you have. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. Come and follow me. Yeah, I'm just going to leave. And he walked away. He was not willing to hear the challenge come and follow. He turned and left. It says how difficult it is for those who have wealth. It's not because wealth is required to be given up to be saved. But we can't have any idol before our God. Nothing. Whatever it is we may love. It could be that you end up placing family above all else, including God. It could be your job. It could be your position, your title. It could be your power. Whatever it is you're placing above, may you be willing to give it up. And wealth and success can be masked in a huge way as somehow we're doing well, but actually we're missing it gravely. Huge. He says, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Now, I don't know if you heard this, but they're used, they used to say the eye of the needle was actually a phrase that was used for a gate to get into the city, and they would call it the eye of the needle. And a camel might have to like get down on its knees or whatever you call those things on a camel. Get down on the knees and go through, right? And, and just so you know, they've kind of debunked that position. The other alternative is he's talking about the needle and the eye of it and a camel going through it. Like, it ain't happening, man. That's not possible. And most believe that's probably what's going on is this extremely hyperbolic, this you've got to be kidding me. That'll never happen kind of statement. And Jesus is like, it's easier... For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He's like, let's make this clear. When there's a lot of wealth, it can be super distracting. When there's a lot of wealth, it can be easy to start trusting self. And we need to be able to hand this around and care for others and see the needs of and not make it just about me. That's so essential. And it's so easy to make it all me. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye, like it's impossible. And they heard it. So their answer, for those who were hearing, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? Because the Jewish position was, if you're rich, God must be blessing. There must be a blessing in that. And if God's blessing that must be saved, and they're the ones that are going to get eternal life, for sure, the others will see. And it's exactly not that. He's like, you better be careful, man. If you think riches are buying your heaven, you better be careful. And that may not be a sign at all of God's blessing into your life. That could be the most massive distraction you could ever have. Do not think riches are a proof or a promise of some eternal life to come. He's like, no man, it's not that. They're like, how in the world? I thought it was the rich that would be saved. And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus is like, hear me now. I'm not saying that nobody rich can be saved, but I am saying they better be setting down their riches now. It is not the holding on to the wealth That gets them saved. It is God doing amazing work in. It is the impossible nature and God pouring on and a heart being transformed. Man can never save himself. Poor or rich, we cannot save ourselves. We can't get it. Everybody just say, I can't get it done. I can't get it done, man. I don't have enough goodness, I don't have perfection. I don't have what it takes. And the distractions can be massive. God pouring into my life and giving me a miracle work as he inclines my heart and gives me a moment of possible forgiveness. What an amazing gift from God. He's like, just know this salvation is from your God. And it's not impossible for someone with cash, with someone with a lot of possession. But man, it's an amazing work when somebody with a lot of wealth also has the humility to set it down and trust their God for everything. May we be willing to care for those around us. May we be willing to worship our God. May we be willing to come and follow Jesus. Please don't think that somehow your possessions equal you earning salvation. It is so quite the opposite. He said, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. Have you ever been with one of those people? When they're like, Well, I'm not like him. Like, that guy's going away sad, but I got my act together. And uh, Peter threw one of those down, and he's given one of those at an adult level. Like, it's one thing when it's a little one who's doing it, right? Like, we had our girls growing up, and they were sweethearts, and really rarely ever got in trouble. But there were some times where Megan, maybe as the older one, would give a little challenge. And she would try to think it through and push a little bit. And Johnna would give a little bit of challenge back. And Alyssa's quote repeatedly was, Mommy, I'm being a good girl, aren't I? Right? Like, I know the heat's over there. I kind of want to keep it there. Let's keep the heat over there. And that's exactly what was going on here. Peter's like, let's keep the heat over there. I'm doing okay, right? We're doing good. We've left all of it and come after you. And he said to them, he addressed all of the people, not just Peter. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more than this. He's like, yeah, you have left. And, And please hear me, this isn't a dereliction of duty. This would be avoiding what's right. This isn't him walking away from kids because... He was just annoyed by him or he was just done with him. This isn't him no longer being a good husband or caring for his parents. In fact, Christ calls out that as something very valuable. This is him saying, as you're following me and your family goes against you. As your family says, I'm not going with Christ. And you have to choose between them or me. And you choose to come across to me. And it takes sacrifice and it takes ministry and For you to go after that, yeah, there's benefits and there's blessing in the process. He said, yes, Peter, and to all who do this, there is some level of blessing in this world. Please hear me, though. It's probably not the health, wealth, and prosperity plan. That's a horrible promise. Coming after Christ is sacrifice, and we need to be willing to set everything down for Him. May Jesus Christ get all the glory. He says, yes, you will have blessing and receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. Like, let's get back to the question that this guy asked from the very beginning. How do I gain eternal life? Come, follow me. That's it. Come, follow me. You will gain eternal life There is a promise and a hope of forever satisfaction, no more pain, no more sorrow no more heartache, no more poverty, no more hurt, no more tears, no more angst, no more rebellion, no more fighting and infighting, no more country against country, people against people. It's all done. Sitting before our God, we have this hope, a future of eternal life, peace, joy, privilege, perfection, all because of him, not because of me. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Come and follow Jesus. Come and give it to your king. May he get all the glory. It's a huge, huge privilege that we grasp. No idols. Jesus is worthy. No idols. Jesus is amazing. Nothing before him. Him alone in charge. No idols, not money or privilege or power or position or family or friends or anything before Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Everybody just say, he is worthy. Say it louder, say it bigger. He is worthy, louder and bigger. He is worthy. May we worship the King who is worthy above all else. And all of God's people said, let's pray.